Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1 about how God was concerned that man be complete and how God is always looking for what is not good or complete in man and how he always provides for what man needs. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and also available by searching for the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com, Friendship with God podcast on iTunes.com. All there available for free listening and free download on both sites, friendshipwithgod.org and iTunes.com. Now, we have several teachings to offer you as our resource of the month. Tom Cantor is our amazing Bible teacher, and we have some small, pocket-sized tracts and teachings to help you grow in your faith and in your prayer life and also in your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the titles of the resource teachings we're offering are called How Would You Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53? How to Pray for the Lost? How to Pray for the Saints? And What Kind of Love is God's Love? Now, these written resources from Tom Cantor will teach you valuable and simple Christian lessons to improve your friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor himself talks about how the story of a Japanese boy helped him to understand the meaning of Isaiah 53 in his teaching, How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53. Tom will also teach you how to pray for your lost friend and how to pray for your friend in the faith with his teaching on how to pray for the lost and how to pray for the saints. And finally, Tom Cantor will show you in a Bible track how God's love is honest, giving, inviting, patient, but is also a love that can be rejected. But it's also a love from God that you can pass along to a person you know with the Bible track, What Kind of Love is God's Love? All of these teaching resources are yours for a donation of $10 or more to the Friendship with God radio program, which will help to support this program staying on this station and airing in your city. So call us now or after the program to obtain these teaching resources from Tom Cantor at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Again, a donation of $10 or more. You get all of these resources from Friendship with God and Tom Cantor. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or go to our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org to get lots of Tom Cantor's resources, as well as creation resources, as Tom Cantor is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. You can go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more about Tom Cantor, or go to creationsd, that's SD for San Diego, creationsd.org, creationsd.org, to learn more about the Creation and Earth History Museum, including our upcoming Museum Day on Saturday, September 27th, with speakers like Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Eric Hoven, and many others. So call us at 800-247-3051 to learn more information, 800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor. Now, if you turn in your Bible to this great chapter, so important, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're only going to read the first eight verses here, so follow along in Genesis chapter 3. I'll start here in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question mark. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. 
And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, or good and bad. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool, the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. We've been studying here in these first two chapters about what's about to happen. This is really kind of building up to this a little bit. I mean, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to face this monumental temptation here in the garden. And we knew also, because some of you cheated and you read ahead in the book. And so we knew it was coming in chapter 3. And knowing what was coming in chapter 3 has shaped our study of chapters 1 and 2. Why? Because God never wanted Adam and Eve to sin, to fall in the temptation. He wanted them to stand strong in the temptation. So what did God do in order to keep Adam and Eve from falling in the temptation? He prepared them for the temptation. And that's what's shaped our study as we've looked at chapters 1 and 2. He provided for man to face this temptation and not fall against it. And we got a very telling clue that God was preparing them for this temptation in chapter 2, verse 18, when God said something wasn't good. I mean, what could not be good? Everything was good. Everything God made was good. He kept saying it was good. It was good as a good. And all of a sudden, something wasn't good. And it wasn't good for what? What was it not good? For man to what? wasn't good for man to be alone. And so we're thinking about how God prepared man for the temptation, and our focus now is on when God said in the midst of this preparation that it was not good for man to be alone. And the word alone is a very revealing word. In the Hebrew, it's a root word, badad. That's easy to remember because it's like the word bad. It was badad, bad, bad. It means to separate or to divide, or to, it, it, there's actually another word, badal, but it's very similar. It's, it means to separate. And so, let's take a look at some of the places where that word is used. Turn to Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46. What are we doing? We're trying to get a feel for this word that God used here, okay? Now, this is talking about the leper, and it says, all the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean, he shall dwell alone. Badad, he shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be separated. You see, God had separated one of this, this leper had to be separated from the camp. And that's the word that he used. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 12, another use of this word. And so here it's speaking in a totally different context where it says, so the Lord alone did lead him and there was no strange God with him. So here is totally the opposite thought is that God is saying now God separated 
separated from all the other idols. He alone did lead them. And the people were separated also to God. They were divided off. So you feel this word, badad. It means the separation, whether it's the congregation from the leper from the congregation, or whether it's God separate from all the other idols. And, and so when we hear, when God says it's not good for man to be separated, and we use that term also when we say a couple is separated, what happens? It brings to us this horrible feeling inside of this void and this emptiness as we hope they come back. And what's the opposite of the word separation? We hope they come back what? Unity. Together. That we hope they come back together. And that was the other wonderful Hebrew root word that we learned also. And does anybody remember that word for together is? Echad. That's the other wonderful word that we saw right from the beginning there. The echad. The echadness. The coming together of it all. Expressing the triunity of the Elohim triune Godhead and an echadness. That was the goal. That's the goal that God has for our congregation, our assembly here this morning. He doesn't care how large our building is. He doesn't care how beautiful it may be. He doesn't care how many people are here. He cares about one thing, and that's the word echad. And that's what you get from Psalm 137, where it says, Behold, this, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? Unity. Unity. Echad. That's the word. That's right. And the echad is so important. Now we saw this in the context of the great meaning of that word in the context of marriage at the end of uh, chapter 2 where it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be what? One, echad, flesh, one flesh. You know, the world has the, the cleave together. That's the describing the act of marriage. The world has such a lame description for the act of marriage. They had sex. I don't even know what that means. And I don't want us to go there this morning. But it's so lame, you know. But, but God doesn't describe it that way. He describes it. He says, defraud, in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, it says, defraud not one another except it be for a time of consent that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and then it says, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for his unkindness. That's the Bible's description of the act of marriage. Come together, coming together. All right, so where are we? Genesis 2.18, that's where we are. Now, literally, this means that it's not good for man to be in his separation, in his aloneness. That's the word there. And so that was also the word, by the way, that God used in Genesis 1-4 when he saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. That's the same word, okay? So we see this word all throughout Scripture. God describes his people. He calls them this in Leviticus 20, verse 24. He says, I have separated you from other people. He says, I have separated you And he even talked about animals that he separated as unclean. So it wasn't good for a man to be alone, to be separated from his mate. So God prepared for man, Eve, to face this temptation. God prepared for me. You may say, well, Eve wasn't a help at all. Oh, yes, she was. Because have you ever considered how Eve is a bit of a stop, Adam? This is your last chance to not fall. You've just observed how someone has fallen in Eve. Now is a chance for you to pull her up, not to, not to go down. 
All right, anyway, there's another place where the use of badad is very important. And turn with that as, Bill, you were really getting to this in Isaiah 59.2. So turn with that. I'm glad, glad you brought that up, Bill, about how they separated themselves in the garden. But look at Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, where in verse 1 you can start, where it says, Behold, in other words, look at this. The Lord's hand is not shortened. God does not have a crippled. He doesn't have a short hand. He cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. So he doesn't have a hearing problem either. But it says, your iniquities have a dull. They've separated you. They have separated you between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So who's been separated from who in Isaiah 59 two? Who? God and man. That's it. Us from God. And, and, and it wasn't good for man to be separated from God. Just like with Adam, it, it was not good for him to be separated or alone. So before God gave to Adam, Eve, we know that this meant when he says he wasn't good, that there was an incompleteness with Adam. Adam was incomplete without Eve. And so he needed Eve in order to make him complete. Now, what do we learn from what God did for man? God is concerned that man should be complete. Now, that's why he made the woman to complete man. In the same way, after the creation of man, God was concerned that man not just have animal-type life, so he put into man a special God life, his, the breath of God, or the spirit of God. He filled man with the spirit of God, so he wouldn't be like the animals. And this also made man complete. It's not written this way, but you could just as well think to yourself, it's not, that it could have been written, it's not good that man should not have God's life inside of him. It's not good that man should not have the spirit of God inside of him, so I will breathe into him or fill him with my spirit. That's what that was all about, breathing into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. So God is always looking for what is not good in our lives. In other words, what we are lacking, what we need in order to be complete. He's looking for that and he's providing for what we need. He provided the spirit of God. He provided Eve for man because he knew that he was going to need these if he had, it was going to stand against the temptation that was coming. Now this helps us to understand a passage like Ephesians chapter 6. To turn if you would to that. Now here in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, very familiar passage here about the whole armor of God. And it's interesting that twice it's referred to as the whole armor of God. Not just the armor of God, but the whole armor of God. In other words, an emphasis on the need for all the parts. A completeness was needed. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me just stop there and ask you a question. Just like God saw that Adam was going to have to face 
his future, which was the temptation that we're on the brink of here in chapter 3 of Genesis. God sees that you and I are going to have to face in our future, our Genesis chapter 3, and how is it described in Ephesians 6, 11 through 12? What is the description of our, of our temptation? What do we have to face? Wiles. First, we have to face the wiles of the devil. What are wiles? Wiles are tricks or traps of the devil. You and I have to face the traps of the devil, the tricks of the devil. What's the second thing we have to face? Powers. We have to face rulers. We have to face off to wickedness. And the activity that we will be engaged in with them is called what? Wrestling type of warfare, wrestling, close, sweaty, hand-to-hand, throw them, slam them on the ground, wrestling. I never wrestled, but anyway, that's what it looks like to me. That's what he's describing here, wrestlings. So just as God provided Adam with the Spirit, and God provides us here with what? His strength and his might. His strength and his might. And then we get a complete description of the armor, don't we? In verse 13, he says, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. And by the way, what's our goal in this battle? And it's mentioned three times here. In case you didn't get it the first time, he says the second and third time. Stand, stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Girt about with truth. So God has provided for us the Bible. Our loins girt about with truth. Objective truth. We can know. We can know. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the woman at the well there? You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, he said. That was the... Like the world with the knowledge of God, his people to the nations without the knowledge of God, he says, he says, we know. How do we know? Because we have objective truth right here. Because we, not because I said so, not because somebody else says so, not because some commentator says so, but because God has given to us the Bible so we can know. How great is that? That we can know. That's what it means, the gird about with truth. Righteousness. The righteousness of Christ, as we were singing and speaking about this morning and during our breaking of bread. The righteousness of Christ that covers us, symbolized in the Day of Atonement, and the blood of Christ that cleanses us. The righteousness of Christ that covers us and the blood of Christ that cleanses us. Then what else do we have? We have a wonderful thing which is described, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God's given us a purpose. God's given us a job in this life. What is it? Be ready to preach the gospel. What kind of gospel is that? Peace. It's a gospel of peace with God. You're at war with God, but the message is the warfare is your warfare is accomplished. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's our job. That's what we do. We preach the gospel of peace. And then it says, it goes on and it speaks about faith. 
The shield of faith will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Faith, that's our, God has given us to us an ability to believe the Bible. He's given us an ability to take and to utilize the Bible truth specifically. And you just feel like you've gotten a shot out of, you don't know where this has come from. Just say to yourself, shield of faith. Just say it. Shield the faith to yourself and picture yourself picking up a shield and just making that fiery dart fall to the ground. We have faith. God has given us faith. And then it says that the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation, God has promised to us salvation. We can be assured of salvation. Why? What is salvation? Salvation is to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ from whom thou hast sent, from John 17, 3. It's to know him. Many will come to me that day and say, Lord, did we not do, and they list many, many wonderful works, which were wonderful works, but then he says to them, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. I never knew you. So God has given us the ability to know him, which is salvation. And that's a wonderful thing. And then it says he's given to us the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. What's that mean? That means that we have the very, very wonderful, unusual opportunity that as we take the Bible, as we take the Word of God, and we use it, Guess who else uses it at the same time? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God takes the word that we put out, we give to a lost person, and he's the one who brings the conviction of sin and the knowledge that the prince of this world has been judged and that the Lord Jesus Christ really has been raised from the dead. That's the job of the Spirit of God. So we were, So this is really referring to a partnership, as Paul sometimes said, and I preach and so doth also the Spirit of God. So it's wonderful. Now God has provided all of these things for us. Why? Because he's God and he's providing because he said it's, this is also a, it's not good that man should be without the whole armor of God. And whatever temptation we think that we're facing, and we always think it's no one else has ever gone through this before, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, and that's the way some temptations feel like they just grabbed you, and, but such as is common to man. Others gone through it too. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with the temptation also make a way or provide a way of escape so that you can bear it. That's what was Genesis 1 and 2 was all about. It was all about, Adam, I've given you everything so you will be able to bear this temptation, you'll be able to escape this temptation, you'll be able to go through it, not fall under it. So we have a lot to, to learn from Adam's, uh, from what happened. My God shall supply or provide all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, so what we've seen so far, and you turn back to Genesis 3, so what we've seen so far in our first two chapters of Genesis, we've seen God preparing man to make him complete. So he'd be, God equipped him 
with everything that we saw, helpmate, spirit of God. And he also gave him a regular meeting time. We get that in the context too from what we read. A regular meeting time. It was seemed to be at the end of the day, the cool of the day. So, I mean, all, all Adam had to do was just hold out until the end of the day. I don't know what Adam's problem was. But anyway, he gave him a time that he could retreat every day. I'll be here, Adam. I'll be here at the end of the day. You and I are going to walk together. I'll be here. And then he warned Adam that something was going to come. He said to Adam, you keep the garden, Adam. You stand guard. That was the word that was used. You guard the garden. You keep the garden. You stand guard. Shamir, you stand there. You keep that garden because something's going to come and attack it. In the garden, in the garden, sure enough, it happened there. And he gives them a helper. All right, so now we stand on this verge of this very profound chapter, 24 verses in chapter 3. But in these 24 verses, we have the temptation of man that defined his natural destiny. The fall of man, he fell into it. The loss, some people have called it paradise lost. The judgment of man and the salvation of man. All in 24 verses, right here. And this chapter... We, we not only read about what happened in history, but it's very important for us as we study this to uncover and expose the patterns here. Because these patterns, they're like, this first temptation is a pattern for every temptation. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program today. As we mentioned at the start of our program today, we have several resources that are available for a $10 or more donation from Tom Cantor. To obtain those resources and more information, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore. Now, also, our Museum Day is coming up at the Creation and Earth History Museum. To find out more about that, go to creationsd.org, creationsd.org. Or call us with your donation or support or inquiry about more information at 1-800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to donate, to purchase materials, or to download free resources from Tom Cantor. 